Welcome back, comrades, to Utopian Cartography, for another expedition into the unknown regions of the future, to discover hope, real hope, beyond the illusions handed down to us by previous generations that greed is good and war is inevitable, because there will just never be enough to go around. As George Carlin said, it's all bullshit, folks, and it's bad for you. I'm your host, Neon Felicity, and I'm here to tell you that we can have a positive future. Our guest on today's voyage is Andrew Defi, conscious existential MC, founder of the Guerrilla Performance Crew Zero Forbidden Goals, communications director for the community activist art space Soul Collective, and the vibrant host of a series of open mic events at Soul and on street corners around Sacramento. We met at Soul Collective a few years ago, when I first started getting active and sharing my ideas in public. His energy hosting the open mics was so inspiring because he breaks down the intimidation factor in getting up there on stage to share a piece of your soul with the world. He models a healthy relationship with performance art and culture in general by sharing his honest poetry with a fun and accessible vibe. In the conversation you're about to hear, we discuss the role of art in raising the vibration of society to expand the presence of love in the culture and push forward the fight for social justice and to collectively manifest joy in our lives, despite the remaining toxicity of our obsolete fear-based instincts to fortify our egos and reject the validity of each other's stories. Along the way, we discuss the woes of popular culture and how the revolution has to start within each of us, and how guerrilla poetry has the capacity to disrupt our complacent apathy and force us to empathize with people who don't share our experiences in life. We explore the immaturity of our society, and how we're still learning to communicate our needs and wants with each other, and how two-way intergenerational learning can really take place by establishing rapport and building trust and figuring out how to really listen to each other, which will dissolve our fears and obsolete the primitive hatreds that pollute our monkey minds. Andrew and I discussed the new generation of artists and how they have been exploited by the music industry to push escapism and consumerism, but they're nevertheless coming into a place of self-realization where they now have the social capital to influence their peers in a positive direction. We talk about how the revitalization of urban life can work to end the war between the cops and the community, and how poetry can bridge the divide between people that the old paradigm manufactured to subjugate marginalized populations and fill up private prisons with innocent people of color. Finally, we discuss the ways society is evolving along with its soundtrack, and how each generation takes the wisdom of the previous generation and runs with it to build a new level of collective consciousness. As someone who works with youth, helping them find their voice in this noisy, chaotic world, Andrew shares his first-hand knowledge of the exceptional emotional intelligence of the new generation, and how they intuitively understand the poetic nature of reality, and how the radical culture and technologies these kids create will continue to blow our minds as we go forward into this surreal world of the 21st century. So thanks for joining us on this map-making endeavor to envision a path towards a world worth living in. All right, uh, welcome everybody to episode two of Utopian Cartography. I'm here with Andrew Deadbide, the Guerrilla Poet Laureate of Sacramento, bringing the Renaissance uh, back to the streets and cultural revival of the city back into the hands of the people. And it's incredible times. Yeah, no, I, I see you as performing a, a, a crucial service to the community because Sacramento is undergoing this Renaissance right now. I, I watch a lot of TED Talks and I feel like every big city in the world is undergoing this cultural yeah. renaissance yeah. and it's like there's a struggle to like how do we prevent that from just being gentrification and how do we keep it in the hands of the people who live in the cities that are being reborn. Yeah. And so I feel like things like guerrilla poetry and throwing events, like that's the origins of hip hop. That's like where this whole thing started, like where the, the people can, can have art. That's not necessarily just uh, going to a corporate, you know, everybody begging a corporation to let them publish their shit. Right, like, right. right. Yeah, doing, it, but, doing it yourself. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. DIY revolution is definitely uh, at the at the heart of utopia as I see it. And uh, so I guess uh, we could start off by uh, talking a little bit about uh, the philosophy behind your work and focusing on art as a way of responding to the injustices in the world and the, the like uh, troubling aspects of the way things seem to possibly be headed. And I think uh, a big part of my work is based in disruption. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a, at the core, and it's a disruption out of a place of love, um, but disruption for sure of the, the everyday, the mundane, the because there's a, a normalcy that draws people into complacence and, and not thinking, not critically thinking or not um, becoming unaware, becoming numb to uh, the connection between us as people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, that's part of my path in life and why I'm here is to really like draw that connection out of people and, and um, disrupt some of that that complacency and that, that normalcy. Um, we talk about forced empathy, which is something I've been talking a lot about lately when I talk about ZFG and like what we've been trying to do for the last few years is like, you know, I, I do believe in forced empathy, you know, um, as a tactic to create change because until there's an understanding of where other people have been, then there can't be a communication. There isn't a connection. That's where the disconnection happens is because people are in different places and can't really empathize. Um, so a lot of the guerrilla poetry stuff comes with that intention of like, you know, how do we establish a connection by forcing a little bit of empathy? You know, let's run up in some spots that like people aren't used to these perspectives and bring some of those perspectives right to the, the front of their faces. And if it's a little uncomfortable, that's okay. Cause growth is uncomfortable, like by nature almost, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's my philosophy for <laughs> sympathy and disruption. Right. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause yeah, the system uh, thrives and perpetuates itself based on forcing apathy down our throats. Yeah, they they yeah. play the same song on the radio that has no substance so that we just get, trained into these ways of thinking that yeah. don't bring, don't you know push society forward at all yeah. so we don't grow yeah and i mean even a lot of the music is um not even here to like content on good bad positive negative but it's very self-centric um so the, the music is i'm i'm doing good i'm living my best life i'm in the club i'm at the peak of my game i'm winning at capitalism like whatever it is it's i I, everything goes back to I and, and it's really that I think that I'm fighting against more so than like you know I feel like a lot of shit isn't right or wrong you know what I mean it, like or it's not for me to say what is right or wrong but um, just to really build on a connection between people as as individuals to realize like we're all we are all connected and once we are once we realize that we're all connected then you know we can actually have peace we can actually like start moving towards a utopia but until everyone realizes like you're connected to everyone else mm -hmm. that person that you have like you have hatred in your heart for like you're still connected to that person i'm connected to my enemies i'm connected to those who hate me i'm connected mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so really once you put it in that perspective and you really internalize that then it, it makes how you deal with the outside world a little differently you know? Right. Yep. Definitely. Yep. That's it's because it's divide and conquer. That's part of why we're why we stay fucked. Because 
we're just all these little atomized consumers that they can just push around because we don't got power because we're just individuals and you know we don't got money like so all we got is our voices and so like the, the <clears throat> they've like it's almost like they've the corporatization of culture like over the past hundred years has just has been this process of like making it feel like we're not in this together like where there's you know like the whole rock star paradigm of like there's just a you know a handful of people this whole idea that there's just a handful of people that got it you know yeah, and yeah. everybody else we're just here to listen and consume like the narratives that they're yeah, turning out yeah 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 no absolutely it's uh, individualization mm-hmm. yeah exactly so people figure like oh i just got to go get a minimum wage job because you know i'm you know i'm not i don't have that spark or whatever so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And and in that, like, look at themselves as less valuable than the person who is on stage selling a million records, whatever the case may be. Just seeing themselves, uh, I'm, I'm a minimum wage. So that means I'm a minimum person. I'm worth the minimum right. that society is, is willing to offer. And it creates this narrative within, like, working class people um, that's just false where it's like yo y'all really like the the rock star makes a million dollars to try and eat to live in a mansion who builds the mansion who who cooks the food who grows the food like he ain't gonna be able to do shit with a million pieces of paper if y'all aren't here creating it so it's interesting when it's you know we, we do you know you just said like we don't have money i may not have money you may not have money but we mm-hmm. as a as as a collective as the people like we have money mm-hmm. we we can shut any of this shit down anytime that we wanted to if we if we just said nah we're not playing okay you guys got a billion dollars in the bank well no one's gonna make you food no one's gonna you know what i mean like right. so eat your money you know um mm-hmm. so it, it definitely is like they there is a narrative that is perpetuated not gonna like they like there's right. you know some evil men like scheming in the but but there there are there's a couple of those <laughs> there it's a lot of it's a lot of ourselves you know like they just expose a weakness and then we take that shit and run with it mm-hmm. and then we impose it on other people because right. if i'm if I'm making $2 over the minimum wage doing some shit, but I feel like I should be worth more, but I'm not. So I'm devaluing myself and I feel negatively about myself. Then I do like, I, I might look at someone who is making minimum wage and be like, at least I'm doing better than you. Right. At least I'm worth more than you. And then it like this, this idea that everyone has this worth and this value in society and that everyone doesn't have the same value in society is, is a kind of weird one. You know, if you've ever had a conversation with anyone in your life, <laughs> then you understand like everyone's got something to teach and everyone's mm-hmm. got something to learn. Um, and like society as a whole doesn't function if everyone's not, you know, doing doing what fulfills them. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember back in the day when I had my real pessimistic little phase there, where I was like, when I first got into conspiracy theory, to first like learned about the idea that there's some. Uh, uh, people making decisions back there that don't have the good of society uh, yeah, yeah. in mind. I like back in the day. I remember you know Alex Jones talking. I used to be into Alex Jones for a minute, and yeah, yeah. and I remember him talking about how like you know like they're just gonna eliminate ninety percent of the population. And I remember being like, okay, well, for a long time I was I, that seemed like okay, maybe, maybe they don't need us anymore. Maybe when all the jobs you know get automated, they they guess they just don't need us. They they won't. But then 
after a while I started to be like, well, what would, what would the reality really be like without right. us to create right. all the culture, right. 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 all the shit right. that makes life right. valuable? Right. Like we're like the people are creating that. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like that, that was a big thing that made me be like, oh wait, they don't, they wouldn't have a reason to, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like we're creating all this stuff that they are living these luxury lifestyles based on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, exactly. He's gonna work the hotels. Right. You know, I mean, he's gonna, mm -hmm. he's gonna play the shows. Like he's gonna manicure your lawns. You know, like any of that shit. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a, it's an interesting thought. <laughs> and like art is a huge part of like what I feel like makes the makes life worth. It makes life like beautiful. I mean, at the essence of it. I mean, obviously nature is beautiful too. But there's an extent to which, like the the connection that we can get to each other into each other's minds. Like, like in this chapter I'm writing, I've been I was just describing how the whole entire purpose of art is to basically to externalize the the internal models of the world that we've built up by our own experience and to try to compare them to each other. So we we learn from each other by by like observing each other, you know, by listening and looking at each other's expressions of how we experience the world. And so we each grow, you know, from seeing, you know, from internalizing the externalized internal worlds of, right. of other people. Right, right. And so it seems like that's like part of the beauty of being human, like really. Yeah, 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 that's, that's part of the expansion, I think. Like art is there to evoke, for, for me, like a purpose of art is to evoke a feeling of some sort like whether right. it's you know and that is um i can't evoke a feeling in someone else that or i can't put a feeling into my art that i haven't felt right right um it's like impossible to do um even if like like well what about like rappers that talk about killing people and they've never even held a gun like uh they've still felt that feeling you can watch a gangster ass and you can watch the godfather and feel that feeling right. um so yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how the, just the reflections of each other that we are and how we, like, it's a process of not viewing yourself as how other people view you. Like, you know, I went through that um, a lot over the last couple of years to really, like, you know, there was, there's Andrew Defy, the community organizer that people know and that people love. And, like, it was really easy for me to, love about myself what other people loved about me i didn't necessarily love myself i wasn't you know what i mean like I, I still had a lot of work to do on that part and it's it's helpful to have other people show you that reflection um but in at the end of the day like you that's where that's where i feel like utopia really lies right like we can we can talk about the external world all day but like self-love and self-acceptance um until like that's really the first step because we can't change this external shit until everybody gets into that space of like yo i love myself therefore i don't fear other people who aren't like me therefore i don't fear uh things that are, are not <clears throat> influencing my reality you know i know where those lines are um because i know myself so clearly i know where myself's like kingdom is you know need to step out i don't worry about what's going on um outside of where the light touches you know what i'm saying like um so yeah i think that's the, the revolution utopia all, all of these ideas all start from within and it's like a really cliche thing to say but the older i get the more truth i, I really find in it
Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Me too, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's why I focus so much on culture. That insight that, you know, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world, and today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Or that, that insight is like, the, <laughs> that's kind of why I focus on culture so much. Like, you know, I'm, like I'm writing this techno-utopian manifesto, but a lot of it is focused on culture and, the, and story and, the narr and art and the narratives that that are actually the the like the substance of the the lives we the, the world we experience, because it's like the the technological evolution is, it's it's happening, and so it's a matter of like, what because there's a lot of dystopian science fiction where the technology the abundant technology is there, but the social relations haven't transformed, right. and so it's like this cold terrible place that you you know like it's it's obviously you wouldn't want to live there right. even though they've like you know, manage all this, this super advanced technology. So my whole part of my project is like, how do we avoid that? You know, yeah, like, how does yeah. this technology not all lead us to a terrible place? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And even, I mean, even in that idea, there's like the, the realization of human nature to like take shit to a negative place. Like <laughs> right. manifesting some of this negative shit. Like <laughs> right. the, the law of attraction is a universal law. Like right. You know, it's, it's not really up for debate, like whether you buy into it, whether you don't, it's just how it works. So, you know, we stay focused on a lot of that, um, which I think that's part of that paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. I think people are starting to really realize what that, um, if you want to change the world, change yourself really means, um, you know, like, yeah, yeah, just that uh, your your reality is exactly that your reality um and people are kind of waking up to within my reality right like so i live in this house um and if my kitchen gets really messy i can walk into another room mm -hmm. if i need to work or i want to if i want to sit in a clean space i can walk into another room um and that's like you know kind of like our 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 worlds of like, yo, there, there may be politically something, something messy going on over here. I don't have to spend time in that if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Like, just focus-wise. I'm not saying you, you deny that it exists. I'm not saying, like, um, there, there's a, a line for me, I feel like, and it's that, like, spirit realm line of, like, yo, I'm not, privilege is over here saying that this doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, manifestation is over here saying I'm going to put my focus on the positive. Right, it's saying that when, when these travesties and these horrendous things happen, and I'm involved in them, I do focus on them, but I try to stay focused on the beauty of the way human beings come together around tragedy. Mm -hmm. Some of those stories, if that's where I maintain my focus, then that's what I see more of. That's what I, I, I manifest more of in my personal spiritual beliefs. Right, like so, I think there is, you know, a lot of times I think. Um, manifesting shit gets put into that privileged category and they're they're privileged as people who, who really don't understand the difference and the nuances of these things you know it's not denying the reality of things it's being very conscious of where you put your focus within your consciousness right totally yeah because like that's a big part of this this transition is that we're finding out about all the things that have been going wrong for for as long as civilization's been going down there's, right. been, there's been police brutality the, for right. five thousand years right and right. and it's only now that we got cameras 
right 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 <laughs> and, and and like i mean it, it's a weird thing because you kind of have to look at it through a universal perspective of like you know as we sit here in this moment in this current moment now as you and i in these physical bodies 500 years feels like a long fucking time universally the human species like growing and 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 growing into what we're going to become like that's less than a blink of an eye right like so and and i feel like all of it when you do take a universal perspective like every every battle every you know that's how you learn things and this is the the process of you know trying i try to get as far up as i can and see the forest as much as i can instead of searching out the trees individually you know um and and that helps to keep the the mental health you know what i mean because i think if you focus on these incidents there's a new one every day right you know what i mean there's something new to be like heartbroken about every day um mm-hmm. but there's also a whole uprise against that mm-hmm. there's a whole like group of human beings that are like no 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 this is not going to be that and all of that is like erosion and it like shapes what's going to be this grand canyon of humanity like mm-hmm. so i think just within the confines of creating your own utopian mind state to create that utopia outside and externally like that's probably the most crucial point is to be able to look at it as like that's what it is it's all expansion it's all expansion um we got ugly ass parts of it we got beautiful ass parts of it um and and everyone plays a plays a role in it that's what's tight Yep, exactly. Yeah, and the the thing of now we got cameras that that enables us to then be like, look, this is the reality, and then tell our story and with evidence, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and so that's how we can coalesce and build these movements now in a way that, like, it's it still boggles my mind that like you know, in the civil rights era, they were mobilizing tens of thousands of people for marches. They don't have no internet. Like, right. I don't even get. It. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, in a lot of ways, the internet has made us um, more apathetic as people. And, you know, like, I think it satiates a little bit of need in people to be active, um, where, you know, there is a cross section of the world who thinks that making a Facebook post is activism and that, like, you're creating change. And while you may bring a point to someone's mind, you may be, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to invalidate that as like a, a positive way to make change. Mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other options right now too right mm-hmm. where like that was like what they had back then that's how you protest it was like the, there's this action this is happening mm-hmm. like um and being out on the streets and i think there's a lot of folks who also protest off off the streets there's a lot of other movements there's a lot of social mm-hmm. justice work going on there's a lot of nonprofits sparking up the mm-hmm. trump era is about to kick off the biggest wave of nonprofits like once this dude is out of office he's gonna be set up for for folks because there's gonna have been so many people that were like coming to the aid of people who were under attack marginalized communities like so you know that like again it's this like back and forth you know i mean you can look and be like yo it it released this uprising of racism but did it or did it just unveil it and isn't that a good thing Mm -hmm. isn't it like it sucks that we're constantly bombarded with it and then like there's a new video of someone being fucking racist every day but 
-hmm. it's kind of dope that we all know who's with us and who's against us mm -hmm. you know what i mean in, in the fight for marginalized people and, and marginalized communities like um mm -hmm. so there, there's again there's like good to be seen in all of it it's really about like where you where you put your focus. Mm -hmm, exactly. Because then when we do that work, then it's real. Like, because like during Obama, like, it was almost like, I feel like all these people who, you know, now under the Trump era have come out, uh, they're just openly racist now. Like, they were all just, you know, they were, t they were talking that shit, you know, like, but they just, it, they couldn't say it out loud. So it was like yeah. this, it was like this fake, that's, that's part of my thing with, uh, with, with PC culture is because I feel like sometimes it gets in the way of actually, actually resolving the biases and bigotry in people's minds. Cause it's just like, hmm? it hides them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like, okay, I, I just can't say this thing, but they, they, they are changed. Their mind hasn't been changed. It's okay for me to think this thing. I just can't say it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, um, and, and that's, again, that's why it's beautiful. That's why it's great that, that he's in there doing all this fuck shit that he's doing. Like, right. um, Cause it's caused us to make the argument for why immigrants aren't scary or a problem. Mm -hmm. Cause before it was just like, it was just taboo to express that sort of thing. But now that they're like, yeah, yeah, immigrants are bad. We need to keep them out. So it's like, it's caused people like me to, like I wrote a chapter in my book on open borders. Like, I don't know if I would have, explicitly wrote the whole 15 pages right. on why we should open our borders right if i had if we hadn't had this yeah. fascist in yeah. office talking yeah. about closing the borders harder yeah no absolutely he's inspired a lot of a lot of things a lot of action we used to uh we used to joke as soul collective the the, the mission statement the, the tagline everything is art culture activism and we used to joke that it was art culture activism um and in the trump era like it's become a lot less like that you know like we've we've been getting hit up by a bunch of the folks who were like yeah we want to start up something we want to do something like we know you guys have been doing this work right. and it was like yo you kind of did have to like be cautious when you were doing this work you know what i mean because there wasn't you know people didn't necessarily understand exactly what the work was or why it was so important mm -hmm. um to do some of this work and, and a lot of this was to like get ready for some shit like this guy in office, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, man, it's a, it's an interesting time that we live in. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably like the most in, important time. You know what I mean? I feel like we're really at that, that paradigm where either we are gonna figure some things out and power is gonna be wielded to the next generation. Um, and I mean, that's just universally, that's what's gonna happen. Um, but uh, I'm interested to see the path of this country that I'm in while that paradigm happens and how much blood there's going to have to be. Um, like, mm -hmm. That's not something that I'm personally excited for. You know what I mean? I'm not uh, that kind of warrior these days. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of questions, you know, how do we, how do we make change unless it is like this, this radical, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's another word other than violence. You know right. what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying I endorse violence, but like, you know, I don't know that real radical change comes without some, from somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, those who make peaceful revolution impossible, make it inevitable.
And like, that's the, like what they're talking about in Venezuela right now. They're like on the verge of a civil war because of this coup that the U.S. is backing. And, mm -hmm. so, and like, so that's why people talk about impeaching Donald Trump. I'm just like, dude, you don't know like what kind of shit that could, you know, what kind of, you know, like they got guns and he's, he's got a cult, an armed cult. Yeah, 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 so. <laughs> there's, there, yeah, there's a lot of potential like we're a powder keg right america is a full-on powder keg right now and everyone is highly emotional on all sides there's a severe lack of communication um because i mean how many folks do you know that have been like if you're a trump supporter get off my social media right I see. you know yep. elite folks i you know what i mean like and and again Preserve your mental health by all means. If you got to delete motherfuckers, delete motherfuckers. But <laughs> it gives to more misunderstandings and, and a lack of communication. Not to say that folks who support this dude don't have major issues and there's not a whole lot like wrong with what he's doing and the people that are supporting it. But there's a lot of different people in the world. Everybody comes from a different place. Everybody's got different experiences. We are all the sum of our experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't know that it's, I mean, everything's conducive to change because the universe is always changing, you know what I mean? So whether it's like a peaceful thing, a violent thing, uh, you know, it, it is conducive to change, I guess, in that way. But I don't know that it's conducive to peaceful change um, or to understanding or that connection. Again, it's like more disconnection. This country's never been more disconnected than this. Like, I don't even, I don't know that like the civil war was like more disconnected than it is right now. Like, so, you know, how do we maintain connection how do we maintain love? Because again, we're all in the same boat. It doesn't, like if one side of the boat stops paddling and we just spin in a fucking circle and everybody goes, like everybody starves to death in the middle of the fucking ocean. You know what I mean? Like, so if we're all in this country, then we've all got to figure out some line. And that's, that's what we're doing. America's baby. America's young. We're not, we're like maybe, a preteen right now like they, that's the growth sport spurt that we're going through mm -hmm. you know um so i think again that that universal and that historic perspective of like you know of course we're trying to iron a bunch of shit out you know any preteens you yeah. remember being 13 years old like that shit sucked um you didn't know who you were right. you, you had what people told you you were and then what you felt and you didn't know which way like you didn't even know if it was okay for you to feel the way that you felt like and i feel like that's just america as a whole right now like you know i come from my, my father's a minister um my family's very religious very christian and based in love like my my parents taught me a lot that i know about love um, I learned unconditional love in the church um, and, and from them, but. Yeah, me too, I think, actually. You know, like, <laughs> and, and so it's like where, where even they nowadays, right, are, um, you know, I remember being young and like being gay was that like straight up sin, right. going to hell, no tolerance, like none right. of it. And now, you know, I talked to my mom's and my sister's best friend is gay and she, my mom loves this kid and like mm -hmm. just you know and like at a certain point it's like yo do you still believe his eternal soul is going to hell like and i don't know that she does you know mm -hmm. i mean i think there's an entire paradigm shift and i think it, it bleeds in whether you have a previous religious practice or not the the 
the space in the universe that our, our solar system is going into is a new vibrational space. So it's hitting everyone in this way. And, it, you know, speaking energetically, shit moves like magnets. So when you move into a new energetic space, it's either you're either going to be up or you're going to go down and you're going to be attracted or you're going to be, you know, uh, detracted. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's really like what's going on and you can you can see it around it's a wild it's a wild energy because of that like people are still trying to figure out like am i gonna raise my vibration to like meet this or am i gonna like be propelled by this high vibration a little bit lower you know right totally i love that definitely and that's the struggle with doing philosophy doing politics I, I feel like that that reminds me of the like instinct people have to dig in their heels when they're shown contradictory information to what they already believe mm -hmm. that's like the cognitive dissonance either forces them to you know their their paradigm to be shattered and then them to move on to you know to abandon that that false concept or to right. or to be like oh no just completely reject the new information that's being presented to be like oh no 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 i must have been even more right than i realized i was <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we uh we attach we attach a lot of ourselves to our experiences um and and our senses um as it would be mm -hmm. so there's definitely like that inclination you know I, I i'm as bad as anyone on the face of this earth about that like <laughs> no i was right about that no 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 there's no, no, no and then someone will bring the whole other like side of it and like, oh, that no man fuck that like give me three days let me sit on that like right. i need to like calm my ego down and like get myself out of the situation in order to like really be open to some other ideas you know right yeah. human, human condition man it's, it's wild it's wild mm -hmm. that's that's why we do the work <laughs> right yeah exactly i don't know if it's just because i'm a philosopher or what but i i tend to my my experience of the human condition is i tried it so hard to question i'm like constantly questioning myself so i was just like I was wondering like how much everybody else is questioning themselves and I know like there's like I know this a lot of people have social anxiety now I feel like that's like becoming a more and more and more common phenomenon and I feel like that has to do with the the, the like self-questioning of like the I mean and that's that also has to do with the fact that the consumer economy is based on us feeling insufficient and invalid so we got to go purchase stuff and so I feel like that's part of what gives some of that anxiety of like that we're going to be judged by some, you know, metrics that we don't even care about. But, you know, the fact that we're getting judged is so that's why part of why it's so hard for to like talk about privilege with people. Like part of the essence of privilege is that you don't experience it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's something that you it's, it's a negative thing that you don't experience. Yeah. That's the privilege. Yeah, 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 so it's hard, yeah. so it's hard to perceive and it's easy to be like, oh, nah, man, I'm poor too. Like, yeah. thank you, privilege. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for that's that's where forced empathy comes in right um, <laughs> i think you know i ask the most questions when i don't have answers and i think that's like social anxiety like where that comes from is people not having those answers um in in the fashion of not fulfilling their purpose mm -hmm. or not totally. feeling like they have a purpose mm -hmm. um you know if you're if you're spending eight hours a day making someone else's dream come true and worried about your finances, worried how you're going to live, worried about all of this, then you, why wouldn't you be anxious? 
you know, why world's not, you're literally watching hours of your life take away that aren't yours. And you know, like as a human being, we all know that you only have so many of those. Like, so of course it is, the depression is on the rise, the social anxiety is on the rise, all of these things, because people like, that's because you don't, you have all questions and no answers. Like, and, and that's where like, you know, constantly questioning myself. Again, when I don't have answers, I question myself. Some moments I'm connected clearly to the divine where I'm just like, I got no motherfucking questions right now. I got answers like a motherfucker right now. Like, right. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's like the goal through, through spiritual practice. But like, you know, um, I think also your, your answers come through asking questions. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think everyone everyone does question themselves and that's how you get answers. Right. You know, like I, I know for sure. And it's it's how you yeah, it's how you come up with the ability to give an answer, you know? Like even your own like, am I am I strong enough, smart enough, talented enough to do this, you know what I mean, this thing mm-hmm. that I wanna do and then, you know, like through asking that fucking question you're going to find the answer, like whether it's a yes or a no. And then, um, you know, be able to give yourself the answer that you want eventually by being like, okay, I can't do it right now, but why couldn't I do it? Right. Okay. Change that, change that. The answer is yes now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, for sure. And I think as a creative, that's like definitely part of the process. I don't know anyone who questions themselves more than creatives. Um, and it's, it's weird because society kind of gives to it because um, in their mind, right, like the plumber comes in because the toilet doesn't work. He fixes the toilet and he did his job. Mm-hmm. He succeeded. He cre- like he, he met his objective mm-hmm. um, where like the creative, it's like you wrote a book. Right. What? is the objective mm-hmm. of it you know right. were you trying to sell a million copies were you trying to change people's lives were you trying to just put a book out there into history mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things that could be success um that's why part of the creative process early on early 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 on when i work with young artists i tell them you have to define what success looks like for you you can't because otherwise okay. that's when other people start telling you what success oh. is that's when you know i know folks who did 10 years in the music industry and had a lot of fun, made a lot of records that they loved, like made a bunch of stuff they were really proud of. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, felt miserable that they never made it right. or they never launched a label or they never, right. whatever, like that someone else was like, yo, you should be this. You know? right. By the time you're 30 years old in hip hop, you should be this and you should have made this much money. And it's like, yo, like how, how valuable is some of that really, you know? Like, so I think just as, as creatives, um, we really do have to set success for ourselves and really hold, hold ourselves to that standard and not let other people's shit get in the way, right. you know? Yeah, define, define what success looks for you uh, if you create anything. Because, I mean, the thing is that the fucking toilet could break in three days. Mm-hmm. something else could go wrong with the toilet like that dude's job wasn't done mm-hmm. he didn't succeed any more than you did as a creative mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he created a, a solution to this problem for this moment 
which is kind of what we're trying to do as creatives. Right. Right. Totally. Like um, mm -hmm. even whether the problem is like even your own self-esteem, hip hop is like built in that shit. Right. Like fix your own self-esteem by putting on this beat and talking about how you're better at rapping than everyone else. How you have more money, how you pull up cleaner, how you fuck prettier women, like mm -hmm. all of it, all of it. Um, so it is still, and it's recognizing that in it too. You know, that's one of those like bigger picture focuses where it's real easy to listen to some of this shit and be like, yo, what are y'all doing right now with this music? Like, I know a lot of old heads that feel like hip hop is corrupted now and just, just shit on the new generation. And I think it's kind of foul because right. I think uh, this generation is just a little more unabridged right. than y'all were. Like, right. then, and, and they've pushed the limit to be. They've earned the fucking right to be as unabridged as they are. Um, right. And it's the same, really, it's the same basic concept of they're just talking about what they got as a means to like propel themselves and their own self-esteem up. Right. Like, and folks listen to it vicariously. That's the power of hip hop right. is that this one dude was sitting in the studio. He feels like shit about himself deep down, but he got a bunch of gold chains on and he's doing all that. He's got money now. Mm -hmm. Someone gave him some money. So right. he starts rapping about uh, what he's doing with all this money. Number one, he starts feeling better. And he starts realizing his own value through this process. And then everyone who's listening to it, I'm riding around to it like, yeah, I'm moving in. A, I'm driving in a fucking 1991 Toyota Charger or some shit. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if a Toyota is a Charger. That shows my car shit. Um, but like I'm, I'm rolling around in whatever I'm whipping in and I'm feeling like I'm pushing the bands and I feel mm -hmm. good about myself and I can channel that feeling. Um, and I think for, for me, I think that, that feeling some shit like that helps you manifest it. Right. Um, you know, there's a, a poem that I wrote called The Little Wayne Affirmation that goes, cash money millionaires didn't have, weren't that when they named themselves. And like these folks like literally like didn't, didn't have it. They named themselves cash money millionaires. Right. And all of a sudden, like, they said it so many times. They right. felt it so many times. They made so many records about having millions. The motherfuckers got millions now. Right. That's, that's law of attraction right there. Like, right. real, real talk. So, right. Yeah, man. Power of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But that, one thing on that, I, I get that aspect of what you're saying, but there's a part of it for me that like, I always feel like they're, they're bragging. Maybe it's just cause I'm, maybe it's cause I got a cynical perspective, but I'm always like, fuck you motherfucker. Either you do got it and fuck you for showing it off to me and making me remind me that I don't got it or either, or you're lying. And then that makes it almost makes it even worse. <laughs> and, and that's, that's really like that, that, how you choose to place your focus. Cause I definitely choose to look at lying about having some shit in that scenario in right. that in that scenario these young people who don't come from shit right yeah that's gonna power shit, right like you know like when when the young kid starts rapping at 15 16 years old because he wants shit right so they start rapping about how they're pushing the bands they start rapping about how they got gold in their mouth and but they don't really have that shit right that's really just them trying to manifest that shit trying right. to relate to it what they see in it is 
they know when I listen to this record by this by two chains, right? It gives me this feeling. That feeling feels good. How do I make something that makes me feel good? Right. And that's what they're doing at that moment. They may not even know that they're manifesting a million dollars. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, and there's that's not to say there's not resistance in the way of that, and there's not like a whole lot of other shit that plays in. Uh, obviously, not everybody who starts rapping at 15 years old gets fucking million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there is um there's a lot of kids with 100 followers saying i'm i got this and that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no for sure and i think a lot of that is um self-examination has to come with that too um where you i think there are people who man when jay-z started these folks dressed jay-z to the park he didn't own these cars Mm -hmm. he didn't none of that it was to establish this like persona because that was what was going to propel these records Um, so there's a part of it that like if you're going into it marketing wise and you're conscious of what you're doing then you're manifesting some shit that counts as manifestation to me if you um are just out here fronting on some shit and it's not a conscious if you haven't gone through the self-awareness to be like yo i don't actually have any of this shit right now should i be rapping about this shit right now why would i rap about this right now why do I want to rap about this right now? Mm-hmm. And and it's okay if you got an answer to that question that is okay with you and makes you feel good, right. then fuck it, go with right. it. You know what I mean? But be self-aware enough to have asked the question. A lot of these young kids are just regurgitating. And the part of that is as someone who works with young artists and young people, um, one of my favorite stories about working at Soul, I had this 15-year-old kid who came in, said, I want to record this song. He did this song. So this is about, this is a love song for my side bitch. Say, yo, you are 15 years old. (laughs) Like number one, just, I mean, with all due respect, you don't know shit about love. And you sure as fuck don't know anything about a side bitch. (laughs) Like, so let's have a conversation. You know what I mean? Like where, Right. Where did this inspiration come from? Where did this, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and then really having these these conversations um, where it was like, yo, so you want to have a family and get married someday? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what kind of what kind of woman do you see that being? Well, she's got this trait and she's got this trait mm-hmm. and she's got this trait. Oh, man, that she sounds like a hell of a woman. That's, that sounds like a queen right there. I, yeah, 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 definitely. You know, a queen like, like Stell, or like Hasmeen, like Dia, like any of the women you see around Soul Collective, you know, that you know personally. How do you think any of them will react to be calling, being called a side bitch? I dare you. You know what I mean? Like, and then just, but it's that, that empathy where like this kid just knew that he'd been listening. He was probably raised on fucking too short. Right. You know what I mean? So that's like what you call women. He didn't understand the implications of that and, and, um, the spells that he was casting, you know? Exactly. So there has to be, but again, had I just shut him down and been like, hey, right. don't be calling women bitches. Right. What are you, ignorant? Like this 2015, whatever fucking year it was, you know right. what I mean? Like that, um, that wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have listened. He would have been like, all right, I'm done listening to that dude about rap music. Right. He doesn't know shit, right. you know what I mean? Like where if I'm able to ask a young person a bunch of questions about where that comes from and then they start critically thinking in order to answer my questions like that's the part man this year 
um, this last year, I really figured out that like, and there's a line to it, but rather than attacking folks and like mm -hmm. trying to like make folks feel dumb or put them on guard, mm -hmm. when I see some shit on the internet that I'm like, yo, that's a questionable ass statement right there. <laughs> Ask the question. Let me let me ask you, why do you feel like that? Where's where does that come from? How do you think this affects that? How do you and then they have to critically think. I had that happen the first day that I was like, okay, I'm not gonna yell at this person. I'm gonna try another route. I asked three questions and whatever the argument was switched up completely where this person was like, actually, you know, I don't know that I do believe that. Now now that I've thought about it, like it might be I didn't ever say, I disagree with you. All I said was why, mm -hmm. you know? And I think mm -hmm. that's like the most valuable weapon in this, this fight for utopia, this fight for a better world is like mm -hmm. asking questions, right. ask people questions, because then not only will they understand, you will understand. Everyone gains understanding when you're asking questions um, versus, you know, imagine if we, if we sat down on the opposite sides of the of the protest lines between the Trump supporters and Antifa and actually ask some questions. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there are some of y'all that actually coexist in everyday basis. Right. Like you work at Jiffy Lube and you needed a fucking oil change and you walked in and y'all had an interaction because both of y'all were having a good day and both of you enjoyed your families that morning that put you in a positive place. And if you asked both of you about each other after you left the fucking Jiffy Lube because no one talked about politics, you would say that each other were good people. Right. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like right. figuring out those, like how, how do you continuously ask questions? How do we... Um, you know, because that, that is to say, like, obviously, I only met you with fucking Jiffy Loop for a 10-minute interaction. <laughs> you could be, you could have a whole lot of other things that I do disagree with. Um, but, you know, just uh, giving folks the, the opportunity to feel heard right. is so crucial. Even if they're wrong, people won't right. listen to you tell you they're wrong right. unless they feel heard, for sure. Right. Like, if there's any chance right. for them to, to listen to you whatsoever, it's going to be because they there's some rapport. There's some, you know, when people interrogate, like, suspects and shit, like, they establish a rapport. Right. Um, totally. So, like, we, we as humans have to, like, establish a rapport that's, like, yo, at very, very least, right? Like, if you have kids... I don't care who you fucking support. I want your kids to be safe and healthy and happy and grow up in like a world that, that believes in them and that, it, you know, like right. cultivates them. I want you to, to be safe. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy and find joy. Like on a, on a all across unconditional fucking basis, just because you're a person, right. just because we share similar atoms and like share a time and space together. Mm -hmm. I want that for you. And I think just if everybody operated, even just on that basic frequency, the, the way that the world would be different. Mm -hmm. And that's real democracy. Like that's how democracy really works. It's like us talking to each other about shit in a way that's not a constant fucking battle. Like, <clears throat> like Nietzsche called it agonistic politics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it, that it doesn't get anywhere because everybody's just in their stance, you know, in their battle stance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Warlike postures. Yeah. yeah. And no one, and no one listening. Uh, right. 
I used to do a lot of cocaine in my early 20s. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I've sat in rooms where everyone was talking. And right. Was <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's like, it's what got me sober. You know what I mean? Like, so um, it's, it's the same kind of thing where oh, like, we, we do need to listen. Um, even, even just to gain understanding and not be, here's the thing is I know what my stance is on shit to the point where I have no fear that watching an alt-right documentary right. is going to make me shift how I feel about some shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. for better or worse, I'm very like, I know how I feel about things. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but I do want the understanding of where is this mentality coming from? Mm -hmm. Like what is, what is the fear that's driving their movement? Right. And then how do we address that fear to be like, yo, actually y'all, like you guys are just clearly not looking at history. Like no one is taking your job. These are jobs that y'all are fucking like not trying to do. And you're trying to actually enslave other people to do them. Like, like you're the problem here. You know what I mean? Like, um, but, but if you don't know that that's like the big thing that's driving this fear and driving these, these hateful actions, anything hateful is going to be driven by fear. Right. So figure out what the fear is. Right. And then maybe we can work on addressing some of that um, in, in ways and, and opening people's eyes to um, the fact that, that most of these fears, most human fears, period, not like, let me broaden it from like that one subject to like most human fears aren't based in in anything right like, like, right like, exactly not, a lot of it's necessary like mm -hmm. self-imposed right self-imposed prisons and shit like, right exactly yeah all of it's based on ignorance if we fear the unknown so yeah. shit we don't understand like it's like oh it, and you know evolutionarily it would have made it makes sense that that was selected for because you know better better to err err on the side of yeah. it being a threat yeah yeah. Then, then not the classic example of hearing a rustle in the rustle in the tall grass. You know, like better just assume that's a fucking lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's that's the paradigm that we talk about, like the, the planet going through and humanity going through, is like realizing that some of these primal instincts aren't serving us anymore and right. letting them go. Like evolutionarily speaking, like yeah, that's part of the DNA, but like we're also doing a whole bunch of like DNA code work right now to be like, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. Right. Like, mm -hmm. It's time to evolve. Mm -hmm. Like that is like that, that next evolution of like human consciousness, that paradigm shift of like, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily like now, now we don't need to be so fearful. Of this shit. Are you kidding me? We are the biggest predator out here. Right. You know I mean, like if it wasn't for us, right. we, we would never can die. You know, I mean, we could be immortal out here, like if we all wanted to focus on, you know. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's just that uh, that realization that fear is self-imposed, mm -hmm. um, and and just fucking letting it go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Really, there's no reason for it. Right. Exactly. And and I think a lot of uh, a lot of dystopian concepts, a lot of dystopian science fiction, are based on where they where the te advanced technology has been used to basically codify and instantiate the re reaction to that fear. It's like to build that fear into the technology. So like the whole idea of, you know, it's like the fucking Democrats being like, oh no, we don't need to build you a concrete wall. We'll build you a smart wall with all these drones and shit. And I'm just like, okay, so what you, so you called the wall, the Trump's wall immoral, but then you're going to counter and be like, oh no, we'll just do a technological version that accomplishes the same function, shutting down the fucking country. Like, and it's like, 
I feel like that's that's dystopia to me is like that, that our where our where our freedom is constantly is like ratcheted down on because we can't because we in the event that we fail to overcome our our fears right of of the other of whatever you know the social credit score thing in China where like everybody just gets a number for everything you know yeah, like and yeah. so that's like the technology being like watching you watching everybody's every move and yeah 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 it's uh. 1984 is hella real. Right, um, exactly. It was that it said it, but it was like you know the only part Orwell got wrong was that like we'd be filming ourselves, <laughs> right. like, we'd be holding the fucking telescreens and, and posting and shit. Like, right. um, really, really a fucking, really a fucking time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't dabble too much in technology. I got a couple folks in my life who do that were talking about how you know I was doing a lot of real focus on you know the historical systemic oppression and racism in this country and i was talking to a homie of mine who does um tech and he said andrew you need to stop fucking worrying about the last 200 years because right now in this very moment there are biases being built in to like these these smart technologies Mm -hmm. i mean this artificial intelligence has like these biases are being built into it that then the programs to succeed them are built off of this program are built off of this intelligence and this algorithm so like right now at the at the creation point of some of this technology like there needs to be a really focused effort on behalf of the people that says this needs to be equitable technology there needs like i need people like i need equitable boards on all of these like corporations like all of how many like scientists from every background do you have like i want qualifications on that shit for you to even be doing this research that someone like that there was representation in the room of the entire human race because Mm -hmm. right now y'all are building biased technology and you're building foundational cornerstones of what's going to be for the next fuck 10,000 years right. if humanity survives that long. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so the fucking robo cops would be just as racist as the human yeah, cops. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's you feed it. it all the, all the data that's been racially skewed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> over all these decades of gathering data. Yeah. And then you got racist ass robo cops. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's super real. Like, so, you know, I think that is definitely like one area and I don't even know like where that work starts, you know, right. I mean, like who do you, who do you go protest? Who do you call? Who do you, like, right. what, what is that? Or I feel like a lot of that work is done in, in places that I'm not invited to. You right, know what exactly, I mean? like, right, exactly. Rooms that, I'm, that I'm not aware of. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch how that all develops. Yeah, but I think there, there definitely does need to be more of a focus in that technology because I think that is how, um, you know, some of that dystopian, um, shit ends up happening mm-hmm. is it there you know where we are not responsible for ourselves yet and we are trying to create artificial intelligence we ain't figured out our natural intelligence yet <laughs> right. like we still have a lot of work to do on our own natural intelligence we use 10 percent of our fucking brain y'all like but we're trying to create intelligence we're creating intelligence that's fucking stupid we're creating intelligence that only uses 10 percent of its brain right. you know what i mean um so mm-hmm. i think there are upcoming revelations um around that and hopefully hopefully some folks who like really understand and really like are active on on some of that because that's the real fight right yeah okay. totally
See, I guess that we, we almost touched on it a little bit, but I, I did kind of want to get your thoughts on ignorant rap. Like, because that's a, something that I, I feel like is, is supposed to be hip hop. Supposed to be hopping to knowledge. These kids nowadays, like, it's like they're proud to not, like I've gotten into arguments on Facebook with people who are like, nah, the ignorant shit is better. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it is, because ignorance is bliss. Right. Um, I personally, it's, this is going to be a, a funny and interesting conversation because I love ignorant rap. Like, <laughs> like I was raised on fucking gangster rap. Right. And like the more ratchet, like <laughs> my playlist around here when no one is here is so ridiculous. Um, and it, and again, I, I do feel like um, a lot of it is like, it's, uh, I feel like I'm popping champagne. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I feel like I'm, I'm whipping the, the right. car. And I feel like for me personally, again, like I know myself and I'm self-aware enough to know like, yo, my emotions are being manipulated by this music and I appreciate it. Right. Um, but this isn't my reality. This right. is, you know what I mean? Like I'm not an aggressive kingpin gangster who will take anyone out with an AK if they need to, but <laughs> mentally, I am, you know what I mean? Like, you know, don't like, don't get me wrong. It's dangerous. It's not dangerous for everybody. Right. That's how I feel about it. It's like fun if you're smart enough to not get. Yeah. uh... Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's like the question, right? Because I mean, it's easy for us to be like parents. If you don't want your kids listening to this shit, turn the radio off and don't, but like, it ain't that easy. It's it's 2019. Let's, let's be real about like Mm -hmm. whose responsibility it is to raise these kids. And again, we're all connected. You know what I mean? So there's some of it that like, you know, I, I don't, and I don't know what the solution is. You know what I mean? Cause I don't want little five-year-old girls hearing this bust down music where it's like, they think that twerking is the thing they have to offer the world. Like, you know, I want to give them a little bit of a chance. You know what I mean? I'm going to let them develop before they get introduced to Nicki Minaj. Right. Know, like, but that's an option for you. Don't get wrong. She's she, she doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. But like, uh, for a lot fun of... Because fun is important. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And for a lot of folks, you know, we can we can even talk a little bit locally and focus locally where like, you know, we're, we're in the neighborhood of Oak Park right now. Um, Mozzie comes out of Oak Park. Right. Mozzie's music um, is very violence-based, very gang-related. Right. Um, now, I'll say I met Mozzie. Mozzie's a really nice dude. Yeah. Very, very like, very cool, very calm, very collected. He's not aggressive right. by nature. You know what I mean? He's uh, telling a lot of stories that he lived through. Right. Um, and and the P wasn't, you know. There was no Oak Park light a few years ago, right. you know, um, before the wave of gentrification came. And, like, now I think even, like, addressing, like, really addressing some of the gentrification that he's seen in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the music did perpetuate some negative images of the neighborhood and the narrative of the neighborhood. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the kids here in Oak Park started feeling like yo my neighborhood is notoriously right. known now right. like people around the country listening to fucking music about oak park and how gangster it is out here right. like so therefore i gotta represent it right so i gotta i gotta follow step a b and c that like when you talk to mozzie or you see mozzie like in these interviews where he gets deep he didn't want to be in that shit i mean it's it's a it's like a very simple concept that nobody who's actually in the shit wants to be in the shit. Right. 
You know, it's only people who've never lived in a fucking trap house that want to live in a fucking trap house. They they like glorify that shit. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, So I think there was some some negative um, effects of his music. Mm. Um, My hope is that as he grows, these young people who have latched onto him Mm. because of that moment also see that growth where they see, you know, he also, you know, at the same time that he's putting out this music, the dude kicked lean and like was doing this kick the cup challenge last year where he was asking people to pour out their fucking lean and get off the syrup. Right. Like that's some healthy ass right. shit for this community. Right. Like there's a whole bunch of other folks out there who are telling these kids to do nothing but pick up the fucking syrup. Right. Um, so I think it's important even looking, right? Like two chains, like the king of ignorant rap. Right, exactly. I interviewed two chains one time. Mm. I've done a little bit of research on two chains to know that um since way back before he was two chains when he was kitty boy he, oh, yeah, uh, that's right i forgot <laughs> yeah he uh he was giving out bikes every christmas in his neighborhood well, right which is like a, no. a, a cool thing yeah. you know what i mean oh, yeah. and but then i asked him about it and I'm like i know you did that then how many bikes did you give away last year right. and he just starts laughing and he's like you really did your homework and you could tell that that was something that no one ever fucking asked him about. Right. No one talked to him about. He put out a cookbook with his last uh, album or the, the album that I was interviewing about. And it was organic. Like, I think it was mostly vegetarian cooking. Right. And I was like, yo, do you realize like what you're doing for like folks in the hood who don't have access to healthy eating and healthy like recipes and shit? Like you're making healthy eating look cool right now. Right. Two chains. Do you realize how fucking impactful that is? That's like a revolutionary act. Like, right. do you get it? And he was like, no, nah, man, you just can't eat shit when you're on the road 365 days a year. So I put out a cookbook because these are some of my favorite recipes. I just want to do it for me. I didn't know. You know what I mean? So right. there's a lot more. Like, and there's a, the, the blame shouldn't be on these rappers. Right. The blame should not fucking be on these rappers. Right. Because when you talk to, when you see Mozzie in the Sway interview, you, you find out, like, who this kid really is, what he's really about. He's got a positive ass message behind him, too. Right. Um, Two chains, same thing. They're all of all of these motherfuckers are almost the same. Every one of these kids who they're perpetuating as as thugs and as criminals, as vandals. Like you can even look at like, I mean, to go to a full ass extreme, six nine. Right. I watched that dude go into a fucking school and just hand out bread and like at a school that he went to, so he knew the kids weren't doing that well. Hands out money to them, hands out money to the teachers, right. hands out money to the school itself, and it's funding some shit like that. So there's all this positive shit going on. Mm-hmm. The 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 labels number one aren't pushing any of that shit out right you make a fucking positive song they'll bury it on the fucking album right. it's not single it's not you know right. like unless they have a marketing plan for it and it's gonna make them a million dollars like i or the happy song that pharrell did right. you know like but those have full-on campaigns behind them to be right. yeah. and why is that so necessary because it's hard to find can you right. give me a good fucking radio song that's about loving your own goddamn life like right. it's not a thing that people really make songs about because the labels have been fucking canning those songs and those artists for so long in Mm -hmm. hip-hop that it it didn't you know if we get people riled up on some aggressive shit then they need more to fuel that aggressive shit they they can't just sit and chill they need more turn-up music they need more drug music they need more like they, they got people addicted and it's it's the labels and, and not necessarily the artists and, and more so than like the ignorance shit is like this they, they push like escapism culture right 
you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't have a problem with anyone coming up and being like, yo, this is either my own story or someone else's story, some story that I saw, and this is the reality that's going on around here, mm-hmm. versus like, you know, just just telling kids to get fucked up and, and run, right. you know? I also think that there's, uh, this new generation is wild. I went to, it, it was summed up for me, I went to Rock the Bells, must have been like 2011, something like that, mm-hmm. and it was, TDE, so Kendrick Lamar and Schoolboy and, and mm-hmm. Absol and the whole crew came out mm-hmm. um, that year. Uh, ASAP Rocky came out that year and Kid Cudi headlined that year. Mm-hmm. Rock the Bells had always been Wu-Tang, De La Soul, right. Slim Rick, like that era of like golden era. Never got too gangster. Like Ice Cube was the most gangster that it got and like people forgave that because it's in WA. You know? right. uh, and this certain year, it was wild because ASAP Rocky came on, and within three minutes, I'd never seen a fight at Rock the Bells at all. Within right. like three minutes of him being on stage, there was a fight, like feet from me. And I was like, okay, this is that new generation. Like they, they just announced their presence. They are here to fuck shit up. Like, right. And then I watched Cuddy that night, and I just noticed that, the, again, escapism culture, one of my favorites, but escapism culture. Right. Do some drugs, smoke some weed, take some acid, be out of your head, man. Like, right. um, And the message there was shit is fucked up. So it was like, yo, we literally have this new generation coming in with two schools of thought in hip hop, and that's shit is fucked up and fuck shit up. Right. So we have two options right now. Like the, the like lesser of two evils is just the admittance that shit is fucked up. Right. And then for us older heads, that means we gotta admit that we had them some fucked up shit. Right. You know, like um mm-hmm. so this this new generation that's like where they are. And then that being said, I went and saw ASAP Rocky when he came to Golden One Center and this dude, this new album is called The Injured Generation. Mm-hmm. Um and in the middle of the show, these two kids are fighting in the mosh pit. He stopped the whole show, brought both of them up on stage, like made them like dab it out and like we're like, right. yo, we're all in the ASAP Rocky fam. We're all we're all ASAP fam right now. Like right. y'all don't need to be fighting over this shit. Um some some young man was getting escorted out by security. He damn near stopped the entire show in order to get that one kid pulled right. back and was like, Security, that ain't what we do in the night. Right. Like, um, so you really seen even the evolution of some of these like quote unquote ignorant rappers right. that are like understanding and starting to come into their own impact right. and realize because a lot of these folks were young. Right. A lot of these, this ignorant rap movement, right. it ain't 25 year old rappers that are getting picked right. up. Like they're picking up 16, 17, Good 18 year old point. kids. I don't listen to shit that a 17 year old kid got to fucking say. Right. You know what I mean? Like as far as advice on my own life and how to live. Right. You know what I mean? And you got, you giving them a, a mic to tell people how to live. And these people didn't, and these people didn't think critically enough to be like, yo, that's a 17 year old kid. Right. Would I ask a 17 year old for advice? Right. Not on shit. Right. Not on women. Not on paying my rent. Not on nothing. <laughs> they don't know shit. At 17, I didn't know shit. Right. You know? Um, so it, it's, it's exploitation. Uh, I mean, you look at like, you look at Bobby Shmurda, like these record executives watched this young man jump on a table and fucking tap dance it out for him, like dry snitching on his fucking self. <laughs> and they said, yo, let's run with that. Like y'all the reason that young man is in jail. You the reason he's locked up. You right. the reason, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And that's not to say he doesn't deserve it. Clearly right. he like did some foul shit, but right. like 
that's what y'all look for. That's right. what, like, nobody, no, none of y'all pulled that kid aside and were like, yo, is it, what, caught a body about a week ago. Right. What the fuck you mean, bro? You out here killing people? Right. Like, maybe, maybe you don't put that energy out into the fucking, into the streets. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but they don't, they don't, period. Right. You know, like, it's really all about an almighty dollar yep. to, to a lot of these labels. But that's what's dope, too, is, like, within that paradigm shift comes, like, media is going the way of the dinosaur like traditional mm. media like yeah. newspapers are going to be first to go but you're going to watch cable news go too. right you're going to watch all of it like we don't need y'all anymore mm-hmm. we can create our own media and we can find media that we like and that we feel is representative of us which is as as dangerous and, and right. as it is beautiful you know what i mean right. it's like everyone can create a full-on echo chamber around themselves right now and be like right. no i'm totally right yeah every every source that i go to tells me i am completely right on all of these opinions i have right you know? and that's that's that uh that, that's not manifestation <laughs> you know what i mean right. like that's that's not choosing where to put your focus you know right I mean? like that's that's creating a fucking echo chamber right you know? that's, one of the most dangerous things I think we can do as a society trying to build, um, you know, that's why it's important that the old heads talk to the young heads. Right. Um, and that, that's why it's important that the young heads talk to the old heads right. um, and, and learn a little bit about the game. I mean, there was a, there was a full on interview with Takashi 69 and Fat Joe where Fat Joe was literally like, look, when I was coming up rapping, the feds were watching me. Why? Because they watch rappers. Like, that's a fucking thing that they do. Like, they will gather information. I'm telling you, as someone who had it happen, I'm telling you they're watching you right now, B. Right now. Camera's on you right now. I'm just warning you. You don't fucking pay attention. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's that sort of, like, you know, because there's no reporter. There's no, like... Where where the fuck was Fat Joe when Takashi Six Nine was coming up? Right. When Takashi Six Nine was coming up, and he had his first Billboard hit. Fat Joe was over it over in his house complaining about how the kid with the Skittles hair and the fucking Skittles grill to match, calling him all kinds of shit. You know, what I mean, that's borderline like homophobic. He's not even gay, but they like that's where old heads were taking shit. Oh, you dress funny. I don't fuck around with this rap. I can't fuck with these rap kids. They dress funny. What? Okay. I mean, you sh- you could have been like trying to help, dude. You could have been like pointing them in the right direction, being like, "Yo, the hair is fucking wild, and and the fact the grill matches is like a little bit extra for me." But like, yo, here's the thing, you know? I mean, like, you could have offered some help. You could have, you know, like you could have had a conversation, but you were just hating. So there's no rapport. So when you're gonna tell somebody that you got this advice, well, fuck you, fuck you, and your advice, you know? Like, why why would I want to take advice from elders that just been shitting on me? And that's, you know, that's part of the disconnection between the youth and the elders right. and, and, and everyone needing to understand their role in that. One of my elders is 76 and a member, an original member of the Whalers. And there's not like a more like heavy opinion in all of music in, in my life period. And the other day I was talking to him and he said, um, the elders will tell you what didn't work. That's what we're good for. The elders will tell you what didn't work. If you want new ideas, go to the youth. Right. Talk to the kids. Um, so, you know, and, and, and that's, that's my elder telling me that. So that means I ain't listening to nobody younger than him that don't have that kind of accolade. You know what right. I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, 
that that key to utopia is us understanding you know we ask the elders what you know like yo we want to we we got this new idea the youth got this new idea can we run it by the elders mm -hmm. so that they can tell us where it's not going to work right. they can tell us where they tried this tactic and this tactic and that shit didn't work or yo this is why it didn't yo when you protest they're going to meet you out in the streets with this right. okay then let's come ready for that right you know um so yeah, it's, it's everybody being connected, everybody having that mutual respect and, and that understanding that um, everyone has value. Everyone has value. And that goes for, you know, when we're trying to create change. Someone asked me about internet activism a while ago and they're like, how do you feel? And they were waiting for me to like shit on it because I'm, I, I've been known to be out in the streets. I've been known to uh, be, be doing some physical 3D world shit. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna shit on that. They're necessary. They're agitating. Mm -hmm. The same way that like right now, I'm not really like I'm on some love shit. I, I'm not even really on some protest shit right now. I don't see the the real benefit in it for me personally. But there are people that it's a benefit to personally. There are folks who feel better when they go march it out and go yell at some cops. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you do to feel better, then by all means do it because these motherfucking cops need to get yelled at. You know what I mean? Like what you're doing is just like everyone has, it takes all of it. If this cop is getting yelled at and then his daughter is getting shut down on Facebook because of him and then some, like, then we 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 can see some change. We're we're hitting from all angles. You can't just it's it's like in any fight, right? If you look at a boxing match, like you can't just throw body shots. It's hard to win that way. Right. If you're just throwing a jab the whole time, it's hard to win that way. If you throw haymakers the whole time, they're gonna know and be able to predict that shit. Mm -hmm. They're gonna get knocked out. Mm -hmm. You know? So it does take everyone, you know, that includes that includes that love role. You know I mean that includes like, you know, the the healers that are out there um, that are more important now than they've ever been. And the healers know it's okay for them to be healers. Right. You ain't gotta get pushed into all of the all of this extra extra shit. Right. If you're here to heal and you're a healer and you're called to heal, then you just worry about healing. You just focus on that. You let people who are gonna fight, fight. And you let those people get wounded and then you heal. Cause that's mm -hmm. what you do. Because when they get hurt, they're gonna need healing. So know that it's okay for you to just be a healer. You don't have to be a warrior and a healer. That shit don't work. If we send our fucking healers out to the front line to get killed, then we don't got nobody to heal us. Right. So for real, like, yeah, that part, that part. Yeah, the, soul, the movement for social justice uh, takes all types for sure. Because uh, the system's just got a hammer and we got all types, you know, like that's part of, Counter hegemony, you know, like we gotta, we gotta come up, we gotta be a more thorough thing than what we're fighting against. Like they got, they got a hammer, and we got all the nails. <laughs> really, like what, what y'all trying to build? You know what I mean, you can't build anything without us. Right. So we might as well work with you to figure out what the fuck we're all gonna build. Right. You know, because yeah, exactly. I mean, clearly, like there needs to be a system. Right. in the way that we need a hammer right you know what i mean but right. like we're we're all gonna have to figure out what to build together right. otherwise you're just a hammer and we just some nails right. and nothing gets fucking built right. you know? and that's not that's not the nature of the universe mm -hmm. it won't it won't survive like that and humanity will just 
wither off, you know? Right. Which is all right, too. Like, the, the, <laughs> right. the infinite beings, I'll catch you on another planet or something. You know? <laughs> wherever, I, wherever I show up next. Right. Yeah, you because know, one, one of my things about politics is uh, and that I found in talking to, like, everybody is, or most people, is that, like, no, no matter how different our our views are on various things, like, at the end of the day, like, most of what we want is in common. Like, it, it's most of the disagreements, I feel, in general, in culture and politics are about, like, are about means, you know, like, about tactics. Like, how are we going to get there? Yeah, like, how are we going to get to a place where we all feel feel fulfilled with our lives and you know like we feel like we're able to do and be be who we want to be and you know like not have limit these like you know unnecessary limitations on us and so you know like, i feel like the cops feel the same way you know they they like they just have a different you know different perspective they've learned you know they've you know just have had different life experiences that led them to believe that but the way to make the world better is to, you know, yeah. catch the bad guys. Yeah. And, you know, they yeah. are just misinformed about who the bad guys are. Yeah, yeah. Every, I mean, everybody feels like they're on the right side. Right. Like right. You wouldn't fight for it if you thought you were on the wrong side. Yeah, like, uh, just recently, uh, my fiance is, her, her, her dad's a cop. And I just recently had to, ha you know, had to go to dinner with them and do the whole get the blessing thing. And it was like, you know, it's a real hard thing. I got an anarchy tattoo. Like, it's a real, it was like a, but she was just like, just focus on the things you guys have in common, you know, like that, because in at the, you know, in my, my instinct is to be like, oh, no, the cops, they are, we're not on the same team, but like, there's, but there's, there is something, there is a thread there that we can, like, that, you know, like, uh, Chris Hedges talks about how every successful revolution has to convert the enforcement arm of the state. So, so like, in order, so we can't be, completely antagonistic to the cops and the military because we have to get we have to win them to our side ideologically and so you know they're they're gonna their instinct is to see us as the bad guy you know like for trying to change the system so like we have to figure out some kind of way to like show them that we're not trying to destroy civilization you know that we're trying to you know move it to a better state right then it's uh no right yeah it's uh that's a wild one. I'm still like figuring out how I feel about all of that because I have very anti-cop roots, right. very anti-authority roots, and you know some of these things in in my book are like are unforgivable. You know, I mean, right. the murder of Stephon Clark is unforgivable. Right. Like that, I'm at a loss for words for how the fuck people can even be still on, on on the force not not locked the fuck up you know what i'm saying right. like you should have been locked up the first fucking night they should have been, like i don't i don't comprehend um some of that but at the same point my high self does understand that we are all connected again like i said me and my enemies are connected right um so how can i act from a place of love and still stand in line with the people that I'm working to represent and then I want to stand on as an ally too. You know, it's interesting. I have a lot of a lot of conversations about this because of my own personal like it's an immediate knee jerk mm -hmm. to like, you know, I had when we started the intersection. Intersection is a wild gathering that happened on a street corner every Monday for about a year. Um and when we started it, there were over five hundred people who RSVP'd to the first month. The city's cultural director got a hold of it and hit right. me up and said the police would like to talk to you. To which I informed her I don't fucking talk to police. And 
then I was telling that story to my executive director who was like, Andrew, love you. You're doing a community event. Community safety is a thing. Right. You have to address this. You have to you have to work with folks. Like right. so I reached back out to the city cultural director and I said, What do you what do y'all want? So we just wanted to know, you know, how many folks you really thought were gonna be out there and like what was gonna I say, you know what? I'm gonna invite you guys. I mean, tell the police specifically that they are invited right. to come out to the intersection. My personal request if they are going to come out, number one, do not have your hands on your guns as you approach. Right. That like fucks up a whole energy. And I know it's not like protocol for y'all to have to do that. Right. Like not walking the beat. You know what right. I mean? Number two, I would like if y'all brought a piece and contributed a poem or rap or something. Right. And I know for a fact that they have an officer on the beat who raps because he's been through so he's been to my overlooks. Um, Israel Graham, like shout out to him because he, like Israel knows my family and shit. Like right. every time I see Israel, he asks me how my dad is. Right. He asks me how my mom's is. Right. He's a cop. Right. Like I literally earlier this year, he brought his daughter to plugged to perform. Right. His 18 year old daughter who never really performed. He brought her to my open mic because right. he knows it's a safe space. Right. And I had to pull him into the studio. I pulled him aside and I said, yo, I need to apologize to you. Like I'm out here talking about this unconditional love, but I've hella let your right. badge be a condition on my love. Right. And you've never been, like personally, you've never been anything but loving to me. Right. But because of who you, like I deleted you off Facebook, right. uh, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, Lord knows what you saw come through your timeline for me while we were friends, like, right. you know, and, and that ain't love, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, I'm fucking a work in progress as we all are, you know what right. I mean? Like. And that's not to say that I magically that night was like, I forgive the system for everything. No, fuck this fucking system. Right. And the whole like, like the being that it is that he's a part of. Yes, fuck that. That shit is still wrong. That shit is still evil. Right. But this man, this person is a man. He has a heart beating inside of his chest. Right. You know what I mean? Therefore, we are, we are connected and I need to love. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, so it's still, like I said, I still, I just had someone ask me the other day about coming to talk to some cops about something. And I was like, I don't fuck with cops like that. I got a lot of growing to do. I got a lot of growing to do. <laughs> we'll go into that for a while, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. I got some growing to do as I think we all do. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I guess uh, that's, I, I feel like that's one of the things that, that art can do is can penetrate some of that, like that, you know, I can imagine, you know, hearing a poem by a cop would be, would you know, be tra a transformational experience for me. I don't really know what they, ex you know, like talk about fear, like their whole job is, in is fear. Like they're, mm. every corner they turn around, like, cause I, my, my house got raided in college and I had this whole, you know, they had, were building this whole thing on me, surveilling me for months. And so after that, I that was real traumatizing for me. Like, and so anytime I would see a fucking security guard with a fucking logo, you know, a logo that looked like a badge on their shit, I'd be like, I'd be like on this fucking crazy high alert. I'm not breaking any laws, but I'm just like, this fool could fucking ruin my life on you know, moment's notice. Right. They got a government approval to do so. And so like, it took me a long time of working through that of like, just those little, you know, one minute, inter you know, five second interactions with cops. And, and each time when they didn't, you know, 
destroy my life. I was like, okay, maybe they're not, maybe not every, every person in a uniform is trying to obliterate me or whatever. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right, but like right. there was a, there was a years where I felt that way. And I can, I can only imagine that's how black people feel all the time with every cop. Like, well, it's, it's like dehumanization on, on everyone's fucking part. Right. You know what I mean, like there's, there's dehumanization of the cops by us the same way that there is of us by the cops. And, and unfortunately, like, the darker complexion you have, the the more it exists. Right. You know? um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I like, I feel like art can do. Art, art can't. It doesn't have the. It seems like it has the capacity to penetrate through some of that shit. Like especially like, when it's like not about violence. Like I I too enjoy the fun of a lot of that shit that is you know objectively toxic, <laughs> but but, it, but fun like to listen to. And but I feel like I I can imagine like. I don't know what I'm trying to get at here. Basically, just like the idea of hip hop evolving through first the stop the violence movement, and then the gangster movement, and then the um, just about money movement. And I could, I could, I can feel it. I can feel this thing of just rapping about how much money you got. I can feel it almost play, being played out or something. It's getting there. It's getting there. I, I can feel it like moving, maybe on the verge of evolving to something where we're talking about the beauty of our love for each other and our and the, and the, the good things in the world and the fun that we have and, and that i mean you look and it exists now you know what i mean like there's some mm -hmm. of these some of these folks like coming right now like i'm like yo like these little star seeds that are just getting here are really on some shit right and i think you're gonna see that evolution like because i mean it's the same it's this thing, it's almost cyclical you know what i mean because they're saying you think about the gold dicky chains and the, all of that right. shit, like that's that's decades ago you know right. what i mean and like coming back and you get back into materialism then we're gonna get back into the lyricism for a minute and right. like, you know so um i think there's just that nature and then as like people um evolve then then just the concepts and 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 we need a new soundtrack there's a lot of people trying to keep us on the same soundtrack that we've been on um in order to stop like progress right. um where i feel like once it's just acknowledged that like fuck shit is progressing then folks are going to be allowed to just like create the soundtrack to that um as an artist that's that's what i'm trying to do you know like the album that i'm working on is uh documenting the whole journey of self-love basically like in non-linear terms um and then doing it over a fucking 808 right. you know where like people can relate to like the, they're fucking with the beat and saying yes and giving you that yes before you even open your mouth to say something they're agreeing with you and accepting it and that's the power of hip-hop that's the power of those drums like that's that's african drums right there right. where like you're saying you're already saying yes right. your head nodding you're already in approval you're tapped right. in like you right. so you're just in a, in a space of acceptance so whatever someone's saying to you they can be saying bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks and you're like yeah right. that's goddamn right <laughs> like spiritually that's what you're doing with that with that head nod and that connection with the music um and i think there's a lot more awareness being built around because like I mean, when you're creating a fucking painting, you gotta like throw some, you gotta be like, oh, I think this color would look good there. And the only way you find out that it doesn't is by putting it up there and being right. like, oh shit, that was the wrong choice. I'm gonna have to figure out how to cover that up. Um, you know, so I think it's the same like with the music where we're like, yo, we, we know that we have this power and we can cast these spells. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna cast some fucking gangster ass, rebellious ass spells. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, 
turns out that has an impact that we don't necessarily like. Right. So, okay, let's go back to the drawing. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, that may take 20 years, mm -hmm. 30 years. Um, but I think it, it is coming and it is a process for sure. And I feel like there's a big, like, you know, I feel like uh, there's finally movement on mass incarceration too. Like there's, there's like progressive, you know, there's like public defenders getting elected to the DA like in some places around the country and so, like enacting real progressive, you know, anti-mass incarceration, you know, policy frameworks that where they're, where they're like, you want to lock this dude up for 20 years, you got to justify, justify spending a teacher's salary right. on that. Right. I think it's most exciting because, you know, when you talk to these youngsters now, I got like 12 year old kids that can explain the school to prison pipeline. Right which is wild because yeah, I was like in the heart of the school to prison pipeline in continuation school and I had no idea like I knew I was in a system I knew I, I didn't like I knew it wasn't working for me you know I was frustrated by it but I didn't have words for it I didn't know what it was and again it's like you know I think my generation helped to like build some of those those words or those ideas through that frustration but I think the generation after me our right. little brothers and sisters, our little cousins, like really put fucking words to that. This new generation put words to all kinds of things. Really like, yeah, just uh, so like mass incarceration for sure being one of them, the, the schools, not prisons, like campaign. That's a major campaign throughout the state of California. Mm. I'm sure it's like moving in other states as well, um, that this is kind of being brought to the forefront of people's minds. Um, and it, it is all that that young generation and their understanding that like of what the fucking system is like we were just frustrated by it they watched us be frustrated by it and then went oh that's why you're frustrated that's where your problem is right. that's where the drains clogged like they were they were able to really pick that apart and mm -hmm. so now seeing them you know uh, they don't think the way we think the, the analogy i've been using is that you know our generation got handed like a hand-me-down toy that our older brothers and sisters had been pretty rough with and we handed it down to the next generation after being super fucking rough with it and just basically handed them a broken ass toy right. and the next generation underneath us looked at that and was like what the fuck am i supposed to no right. threw that shit out and like started making their own toy right. and we're like what what actually uh uses us let's let's make one of those right. um you know even in in looking at things from um, gender perspectives from relational perspectives um, there's they don't think in these binary terms of it's this or it's that right. like there's a lot of space in between this and that that things can be right. um, and this new generation is all about like they're all about that idea and they're all about giving these things names these spaces in between names right. and like normalizing them that it's okay to and it's it's really like it's interesting watching the older generation fight against that because it's so clearly to me it so clearly feels like evolution right. so clearly feels like you know we 500 years ago we thought the fucking world was flat right <laughs> right there were people who like argued that shit still like right you know? <laughs> so so um there's you know a lot of a lot of room for growth in human thoughts and and to really see um, the way that these 
these kids break it down like they've been here before like they learned right. like they learned last time they were here right. what didn't work you know right um got some old souls coming into this plane right now that are doing some real beautiful work to just release a bunch of old paradigms and, and old ways of viewing things right yeah the generational thing seems like the biggest piece of hope for me like the biggest factor gives me hope like because it seems like they just picked it up intuitively that we you know like took us a bunch of work to figure out some folks had to go to college to like learn some of this shit right. these kids like just inherently know about the way the world works you right know? it's wild man it's wild these these babies got so much to teach us i remember like five years ago or so i was teaching a poetry class and i was trying to teach these kids about um it was black history month so i'm teaching them about segregation i'm teaching them about prejudice i'm teaching them about all these things i'm trying to like make it make sense to them and they are having such a hard time grasping why people who look like me didn't want to with people who look like this right like white folks not one they they didn't get it the concept didn't make sense it didn't add up to them they didn't know they didn't get why right you know and like i remember being like no like you you can't like just punch the bus driver for your homie because he's being mean to him like nah like you, there's a whole system built into this that you have to be this and you have to be over here and you imagine if you and you couldn't be friends and this little kid looked at me and was like but why though like i like him so why are you like him he dresses cool he's got cool shoes right we like the same music <laughs> Okay, so y'all are like really sincerely out here judging each other on the music you listen to and your shoes more so than like like race doesn't make any sense to you. Right. But like this stuff. Okay, y'all are the fucking future and I love you and right. from now on I'm just gonna listen to y'all because like <laughs> even in my young age, it wasn't like in my house it wasn't it, it was very much you love everyone, whether they look like you or not. But it was very clear that other people don't look like you. Right. It was very clear that there are folks right. who don't look like you, you know what I mean? And I felt like just in that conversation with these kids, like when they met each other on the playground the first time, like they literally looked at each other's shoes and were like, your shits light up, my shits light up. Right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the, the fact that their skin tones didn't match, didn't even factor right. in, right. you know? Totally. Um, and so I think it's a good, a good example for all of us, you know? I love these. I love this new generation. They 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 came to fuck some shit up. They came to take your milk money. And I ain't gonna <laughs> apologize for it. Like right. it's it's real dope to see. You know, mm-hmm. even even locally, just watching the, the movements among the youth, the stands they're taking, the, the art that they're making. Right. Incredible, man. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that it's like that they see, that they're just natural poets, natural artists? Like, uh, I think there's there's a part of that for sure. I think every generation kind of has their like natural poets and, and natural musicians, but um, I think this generation talks more poetically. Right. Not that they're all poets, you know what I mean? Right. But that they understand things of a poetic nature. Right. When you speak yeah. metaphors to these kids, they get it. When you, you know what I mean? There's, you don't have to teach them how to feel things. They inherently feel. Right. They know how to feel. And they probably know how to feel better than you. Right. Maybe because the general normative ethos of feelings are bad is lessened or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also like that development of humanity. You know, mm-hmm. like you look at my culturally, like my grandparents, both of my grandfathers, oh, fuck, cry. 
Are you kidding me? Right. I'm fucking proud of you. Man. Right. Um, my father, to a lesser degree, you know what I mean? Like, my, my pops will cry at a sad-ass movie. You know what I mean? Like, right. my pops will get choked up by some shit on TV. Yeah. Now, if we're out in public, it's a little, it's a little different. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, where I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, I will cry where the fuck ever. Right. I try not to ugly cry in public because right. that's a little embarrassing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, right. But like when some shit emotionally stirs me, like I'm very in touch with that part of myself that like weeps. And like, right. I know that that's healing waters. I know that it's fucking beautiful. Right. Um, I know that the fact that I feel shit so much that it makes me cry is fucking beautiful. Right. Um, and I would never want to turn that off. Um, right. So, but I think it is that generational learning where like, you know, I think about years back where like, I can look at my both my grandfathers and be like, Man, they, they were very, like, that masculinity was toxic. Right. Yeah, but it wasn't toxic compared to the fucking masculinity of two generations before that. Right. Like, if this is a steady fucking process. Like, you know, my my grandfather, like, didn't tell my dad he loved him. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was like the, there was like a deathbed moment where he put his hand on his heart and that was, I love you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, where... You know, I I was mad as a as a kid that my pops didn't tell me he loved me enough. Right. But he said it. Right. And I knew it for sure. You know, I mean, there was right. never a question. So, yeah, it is just that generational growth, and and I think that generational healing too. Like there are traumas that stay in your DNA that come with you. You know, there's like mm-hmm. scientific tests where you see like, you know, your your ancestor had some wild experience. And then you have this quote unquote irrational fear of this thing. And it's like, is it really an irrational fear or is it like generational trauma? Um, so really like, I think this generation is doing a lot of healing on that generational trauma. I tell people before I've cried tears that my grandfathers couldn't cry. I've cried tears that all of my grandparents couldn't cry. Um, and, and I knew at the time that it wasn't like, it, it, it was weird because it wasn't me. It wasn't. That's where I feel like a lot of this uh, depression comes from, and a lot of this is is a lot of generational healing. It's and it's also a, a long line of like so whatever it is that you have is very heavy right now. Right. Like to to and then we move into this new space and this new vibration in the universe, and and it's stirring all of this heaviness up to mm-hmm. where again it just plays into that. Are you up or down? Are you which way are you magnetizing? Like. Right. Um, and so I think it's important for people to do that and to know that. And I feel like this young generation coming up, the ones that started with the smartphones, like that the were raised with that, right. and three-year-olds that know how to work the right. smartphone, those kids right there, that that's like they, they're kind of cognitive that like, yo, we have, to gener- we have to clear these generational lines. We have to clear these DNA lines of all this shit. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. Like it's too heavy. It's right. too much. And that's why this generation has like come is to like clear that those dna lines like and i hope that's not like too uh mystic or, or woo woo for for some listeners but right. i mean then again i also don't give a fuck if it is so <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, this is my reality right you create your own reality and that's uh that's utopia so. right exactly it's funny because i was in my head i was trying to trans because I, I i tend to translate shit into material terms and there is there is epigenetic science and so it's, when you say the phrase clear some of these dna lines up i th- i think that's what ep- epigenetics is a series of on and off switches where we can turn off g- genes that we adapted to various d- 
ancestral, ancestral trauma. So Absolutely. that's a fucking real thing. Absolutely. Like, well, I mean, and I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot that's just like not known to the, right. or understood by the human mind that like a lot of what people think is woo woo. You right. know, which is my favorite term. Like, <laughs> some of you are like, you don't know woo-woo shit right now. Um, but like, there is a scientific basis for a lot of it. Right. And if there isn't yet, there will be. Right. Um, exactly. You know, like, it, how do you how do you prove the law of attraction? How do you, you know, like some of these fully universal laws that like haven't necessarily, we haven't necessarily figured out how to document yet, right. but it's on the way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that like, well, the reason that we have these these hypotheses are because we do inherently know these things right um so you know yeah. like i said i think that new generation like their knowings the knowings that are coming with this new generation some of these kids i mean they're all going to change the world they are the world but like there's something real magic about this next generation and the, the knowing that they have coming in right that like you said i think it took a lot of us like till 18 20 25 30 35 40 like <laughs> right. still going right um, that these kids like kind of come out the womb under understanding like what this plane is what they're here to do how they all fit together how right. they're all connected our parents had midlife crises we had quarter life crises and the kids nowadays are having they're figuring that shit out with <laughs> like yeah. five yeah yeah like 10 years old they're like none of this shit matters <laughs> fully existential crises like you know and and that's it's good fuck do that shit at 10 and then have the rest of your life yeah. to like be cool and it's like made peace with it and figured it out like mm-hmm. um, yeah but i remember 10 years ago when people talk people talking about like oh no the kids are gonna you know like when I, the ipad first came out and people were everybody's freaking out about oh babies are using these ipads and who knows what they're gonna get into and i remember thinking immediately like nah these kids are gonna figure some shit out having that in their hands already yeah and that's a, I feel like that's like fucking space age technology for real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's some fucking Star Trek shit that I like. It's weird because like if you missed the announcement and the commercialization of the iPad, right. and you just showed up the day that it came out, you'd be like, "What the fuck is this magical screen?" Right. Like that. Like literally, when I was a kid, all right. I wanted was a magical screen that could take me anywhere and do anything. And like that's what the fuck these things are now right. like i can visit anywhere in the world i can learn about anything i can make music i can make <laughs> movies i can play games i can like anything literally that i want to do i can do on this magical fucking screen like that's all i wanted and i mean i think it's dope because i think generations like you know especially with toys i've always noticed this with toys like if you look back at the 50s the toys were kind of kind of jank you right. know what i mean like yeah. and then the next generation those the toys that those people made were so fucking fresh compared to like that's when like rc cars start to come out and like motorized shit (laughs) and all these dope ass toys because these people before them didn't have shit to play with right so it was like my generation that was like i want this magical screen we gotta make this magical screen happen how do i make this magical screen and like a few of us never let go of that shit right and then here you go. You know what I mean? Like, so the next generation grows up with that thing. Now, what the fuck is next? Right. That's where I'm like, yo, when I'm like, I hope that that I do make it to right. be 60 or 70 because I want to see the generation that would be my grandkids. Like, what are they going to give their kids? Right. These little two-year-olds right now in 35 years, 
what kind of fucking toy are they going to have for their kids? <laughs> full on it, full ass holograms, full ass virtual reality worlds that they create, put the goggles on, and you make everything that, like, that shit's not far away. Right. That shit's within the next five years. Right. Yep. So add 30 to that. Right. <laughs> Exactly. I want to see the technology that makes me like my grandparents were with the internet. Right, right. Where they're just like, this is too much. I don't really understand this. This is fucking crazy. I don't think we should have ever manipulated technology this far. This might be the end of the universe. Right. I want that. I want to see that part. Yeah, totally. I want to be like terrified of it and have to call every young person I know and be like, how do I do the thing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, that was a big part of what, t- what pulled me out of the despair I was in in 2013, 2014, is just like discovering the exponential acceleration of technology and being like, oh shit, it's going to be like so dope that we can't even fathom it right now at some point, 10, 20, 30 years out. Like, yeah, I'm going to stick around for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hoverboards are coming, y'all. Like, mm-hmm. for real. Right. For real. Mm-hmm. Straight up. They're, I mean, they're already here. They have them. We don't have them yet. Right. It'll be another 30, 40 years before we <laughs> Right. I just hope I'm like, because, like, I just want to be old enough to ride around on a fucking hoverboard. Yeah. I don't care if I break a hip. I don't care if that's how I go out. In fact, I hope it is. Right. I hope it is. I hope I go out on a terrible hoverboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, cause I drive around in San Francisco all the time, and I see people on these on these longboards that are, like, the same, like, general design and shape, at, at least the, the the deck is, to the, the longboard I used to skate on in college, so when I used to skate everywhere. But I remember being so tired pushing. Mm-hmm. These people mm-hmm. aren't even pushing it. They just got a button in their hand. They're just riding a skate like it was a and button in their hand that makes it go. Wheel. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> got one big wheel, and you just stand on the thing, and it just it drives you where you want to go. You don't even have to, like, lean in to the turns or really? anything, like... Yeah, that's wild. Oh, you work uphill. Yeah. Right. I see people going up these fucking 45 degree hills in San Francisco on a one wheel thing. I'm just, no, just, they're just chilling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It's wild. And I mean, thinking about like, even just like from my dad's age to my age, my dad talks about skating. Like, he had a skate, but they didn't have ball bearings. You know what right. I mean? Like, shit was like metal wheels and shit like right. you know so to get from there to this like motorized one wheeled contraption that can right. go up up a hill like <laughs> that's that's wild i can't even i can't even imagine where it's going right hoverboard is definitely the next step on in that category yeah i, feel like <laughs> yeah, I think I feel you're like, right i feel like it definitely will get there soon mm-hmm. we are carting the way to that utopia <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Right, well, uh, how about two more questions? Sure. So I've noticed on uh, on Facebook you use the hashtag the Great Joy Hunt 2019. Mm, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, man, I really uh, feel like a lot of the work that I did on myself in the last year really pointed to the fact that as a human, like my purpose here on this planet and all of our purposes is to find joy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's really what I'm trying to concentrate on this year. Every day, I try to find something to be joyful for, a source of joy. And it can be little things. Uh, I got into a lift ride, and someone was playing one of my ratchet-ass soundtrack songs. And it was, like, the one that I was really hype on at that moment. So it was, like, it was playing my soundtrack. As soon as I got into the car, and I was, like, oh, that's some, that's some divine shit. Like, I'm real joyful for that right now. Um, so it can be, like, really, really small things. It can be giant things. You know, I recently got my name printed in playboy magazine that was part of the great joy hunt 
you know so there's i just feel like again it's part of that like trying to keep that focus and those those goggles on um my homie rashawn just put out a thing um a little workshop series and part of it was on joy goggles um like putting your joy goggles on and finding finding the joy and it really has been it like shifted my entire thinking because when i'm doing that more purposefully on certain things it means i do it more naturally on non-natural positive things for me right so when some negative shit happens to me i'm a lot less inclined to be like man fuck this fuck my life right now this is awful like and i'm more inclined to be like well i guess if that happens then this could happen out of it or you know and then like part of putting that on social media is like just i feel like there's so much negativity that gets put out and people vent and use it as like dear diary um on facebook which isn't a bad thing you know what i mean everybody got a vent it's a big part of the social consciousness but I, I do feel like there's a lack of positive things and, and affirmations and that sort of thing um so i do try to stay real positive with like what i'm putting out like i don't i don't necessarily tell you like the great defeat of 2019 you know what i mean like there've been some of those there've been some days where it sucks you know what i mean there's some days where i'm in physical pain or i have a medical issue or you know like just whatever um is going on that day but stay focused on on the joy and the positivity and i think that does help you just stay in a little better alignment with your highest self and that helps in it just bleeds into in the patterns of life oh yeah definitely not that joy y'all it's out there it's hunting you too that's the crazy thing right mm-hmm. i guess uh to conclude uh i, I kind of want to start this thing of uh, asking each of my guests just like a, a, a one paragraph outline of utopia as you see it like the, the most important aspects of a society that's worth trying to work towards equity equity based um, i think that's the biggest thing i fight for right now so i think that's a cornerstone equity is the cornerstone creativity as a catalyst lack of scarcity which i think is possible for sure and love 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 at the center of all of it there has to be love um because if you love then you won't stand for inequity if you love then you don't stand for injustice so you know love definitely in in the center of of everything that's what so any of the any of the great teachers talking about you know that is one of those universal whatever religion you believe in wherever your your faith and your your highest power is like love man so to answer your question more directly to give you a paragraph synopsis love 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 end of paragraph oh yeah perfect Perfect, man. Thank you so much for joining me because that uh, you're you're you got mad wisdom, man. Uh, it's encouraging to me to know that you're out there spreading that to the kids because uh, the world needs it. And uh, anybody else out there, he's got it right on that paragraph. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make that my bio. Yeah. I'm a press kit from now on. Uh, no, it's, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're doing this work. Uh, you know, a lot of times people only go surface level. Uh, they want to know about the art or the creative process or something like that. But you know, this is a this is a real dig. Um, and I'm one of those people. I love I love those conversations. Like you'll catch me outside the bar drunk at 3 a.m. on a Saturday, and I'm still having those same conversations um, wherever I can find them. So 
yeah thanks for having me on and, and good luck with uh, the rest of the podcast oh, yeah thank you so what what day of the week is that is march 3rd because you got an album coming Ooh, out i do in a couple album. weeks i do uh, have an album coming out yeah uh that's a friday night friday night at the blue lamp march 8th i'll definitely be rapping a lot about self-care and evolution and love except for the beats like fucking slap so you're <laughs> you know in for a little treat and uh yeah i'll be outside talking that shit probably a little bit drunk off the of jesus <laughs> that's how we do it oh uh, yeah so uh when this episode drops uh the album will be live so uh ultraviolet yeah. spotify google play itunes everywhere music is sold follow me on instagram facebook and by n-d-r-u We the 